0: Immigration Advocates
1: Network podcast.
0: Hello, everyone, and welcome to this podcast on immigration detention preparedness and support. We are joined with Gowan Lee and Sarah Brennis from the Advocates for Human Rights and Sebastian Zavala from the Immigration Advocates Network to discuss how families and community members can help ensure their immigrant friends and loved ones are prepared for increased immigration enforcement. We will also discuss what to do and how to support members of your community and loved ones who have been detained by ICE. My name is Casey Mears. I am the AmeriCorps VISTA volunteer outreach and resource coordinator at the Immigration Advocates Network. Welcome. Why don't you all tell us a little bit about your work and why you think this type of preventative planning is important?
2: Well, thank you. Um, My name is Sarah Brennis and I direct the Refugee and Immigrant Program at the Advocates for Human Rights. We are a, um, well, we do broader human rights work, but our Refugee and Immigrant Program works in Um, Minnesota representing uh, refugees, asylum seekers, and other immigrants um, in their immigration cases. We provide services to um, individuals who are detained and have court cases before the immigration court in Minnesota. Um, We are a partner of the Minnesota Detention Project that provides services to uh, individuals who are detained prior to their first hearing before the immigration judge. We have a pro bono project that provides services, representation to individuals in bond hearings, and then work with partners on legal orientation programs at the county jails that uh, detain immigrants in our jurisdiction. Um, We're also listed on the free legal services list that the court distributes to anyone who has a case before the immigration court. So we have, um, we reach out to try to identify potential individuals that are in immigration proceedings as well as receive calls from them. Um, So it's really important in our experience working with uh, different detainees to know what types of information it would be helpful for them to have in order to fully assess their cases and to really give them the best chance uh, that they can have to have uh, success before the immigration court with or without representation um, as individuals in immigration proceedings are not offered uh, free legal representation automatically.
1: Yeah. Um, <clears throat> my name is Kelly Lee. I am a legal fellow with the uh, the Advocates of Human Rights in the Refugee and Immigrant Program and my work focuses on detained uh, world. So I help on some detained cases that we have over-place and coordinate um, a lot of the projects that Sarah just mentioned, um, yeah, and we think, you know, the preventive planning is important, especially under the circumstances, um, for the family to, you know, if they could have some documents that will be helpful for the case beforehand. It saves time for them, for the attorney, uh, for the part, for the person who's detained, and it also um, gives the families. Um, a lot more certainty or um, some reassurance when they know they have plannings um, that are already there, um, and not a sudden surprise and um, total disruption to their life. When, um, especially when a breadwinner is all of a sudden locked up by ICE.
0: What are some ways that families and community members
1: prepare themselves for increased enforcement? Um, so, like we mentioned before, there are Certain documents that will be um, especially relevant to uh, when a person is detained, he will usually get a chance to ask the judge to reconsider the custody, essentially asking the judge to give a bond for them to be bonded out and not be detained during when their case go go forward. When their case goes forward, so some documents are especially relevant to the bond request. Um, those include anything that relates to their Criminal history, for example, the arrest record, the court records on the case. Um, if they have the police report, those would be um, relevant as well. And any proof of, you know, um, proof of any fines that they've paid, and any rehabilitation programs that they've attended, um, it would be helpful. And in addition, um, for the uh, part of one. Uh, element for the judge to consider is their ties to the communities. So, if they have some proof of the relationship to um, a legal permanent resident or a U.S. citizen, and um, evidence or address of where the person could be uh, could live once released, would also be very
2: helpful. It's also helpful to begin collecting documentation that might be relevant to any long-term immigration benefits that the person may be able to apply for. So, for example, um, if someone is eligible to apply for cancellation of removal because they've been in the country for over 10 years before they were put into removal proceedings and have a qualifying relative that's a U.S. citizen or permanent resident, things like taxes showing that they have paid their taxes during that entire period or other documentation showing that they have continuously resided in the United States during that time period, those are things that can really take a lot of time to collect and put together. So having a shoebox where you've collected or an envelope where you have all of those documents that can be handed over to an attorney if someone um, isn't able to be released from custody but is able to apply for certain benefits. Other records, just as with the bond case relationship, family relationship, proof of that. For cancellation of removal, if someone, um, what is relevant is the. Extreme and unusual hardship to the family members. So, if there's any medical issues that any of the family members have, uh, the qualifying relative doc collect, starting to collect the documentation for that can be really, really helpful. You know, contacting any any place that um, is providing medical care and getting a, a health history from those from those places. Um, And then for any criminal records, again, the signs of rehabilitation, if someone is applying for cancellation of removal um, as a permanent resident, then the rehabilitation from any uh, criminal incidents that the person has had is going to be really an important part of whether or not the, the judge will be able to grant the case. So having that documentation together or, you know, if there's anything in addition that the person can do to document their um, rehabilitation or their work history or other things that might be helpful to the case and difficult for family members to find if someone remains in detention.
0: So what are some resources and tools that might be available for people who are looking to prepare themselves? Um, resources that can help them sort of assemble these resources, the resources that they need, the documents, and, and get the information that they are looking to get together.
2: So, um, you know, the, the, there, there's the one question of what happens to the individual that's in detention. What are their short-term options for bond, long-term options for release? Um, but particularly when family members are involved, there's a lot of questions about well, what's going to happen to the children if a family member is detained, and in worst-case scenario, if they're removed from the United States. So, making sure that there are plans in place, you know, an immediate safety plan if. If um, you know, if it's if it's a single parent and the kids are going to come home from school one day and the parent isn't there, who's going to be the backup person? And are they going to have authority to pick up the child and do some short-term care for them? Um, having a power of attorney in place that gives um, authority to someone else to help um, get the get the child where they need to be uh, and, and those sorts of things. And you know, if the, if the children are U.S. citizens, getting passports for the children so that if, um, if the choice is for them to travel with the parent, um, then those things can be already in order in place to try to keep get the family back together as soon as possible. Um, there's other tool, tools that are available sort of state by state. There are different rules that may apply in terms of that um, delegation of parental authority, for example, or the powers of attorney. Um, And there's different organizations, so looking within your state to see if there's organizations that have come up with tools or have workshops or other things to help people plan. And then there's some other resources that are available across the country that are a little more um, broad-reaching in terms of looking at safety plans or evaluating anyone's particular case, for example, the any. Uh, app that's, uh, that you can download on your phone um, is one, one such tool that that might be able to help in that process.
3: Hi, this is Sebastian from Immigration Advocates Network. Yeah, just more on the IMI tool. Uh, one of the challenges that we see in the community when, when we're doing Know Your Rights presentations and, and trying to help families plan is that there is a long sort of checklist people have to look at as far as what they should be looking for uh, to prepare for in case someone is detained or deported in the family. And it, it kind of varies family to family, too, depending on uh, if they own or rent their house, um, if the kids are over 18 or under that age, um, if they have other things like bank accounts or uh, you know, phones, things like that to look at. Uh, so our newest tool on IMI uh, is Make a Plan. and It actually does an interview, which allows people to figure out um, their own personalized list of things they should be looking for in case a family member is detained or deported. It has lists of things to look out for. It also has uh, links to legal aid that can be available for um, for immediate assistance in an issue uh, helping a family member. And it includes information about locating people using the ISA detaining uh, locator system, as well as information that um, someone should set aside for their family members to have to find them in case they are picked up uh, by immigration enforcement. So, yeah, it's a great tool. It's free to use, and it's in English and Spanish right now on uh, IMI.org on a desktop store or mobile devices.
0: So moving on to sort of a volunteer um, community member angle, um, what are some ways that people who are concerned who want to help um, and support people who may be at risk for being detained or deported, how can they provide support and, and sort of guide people and get involved?
1: Sure. Um, so, um, yeah, there are – because we're facing a national audience, it's very hard to pinpoint to specific programs. But um, depending on the region, there are a lot of um, different I think different programs across the country that um, community members can join to provide support. Um, one is there are a lot of sanctuary movement um, across the country, and a lot of those um, those um, places you can you know contribute to um, to part, be part of it and to provide some support it could be monetary it could be you know write a letter to a detainee um, for example our local um, in our in our jurisdiction there are this letter writing project that um, uh, you know people volunteer to write letters um, to detainees and they also sometimes go visit people um, in detention to provide moral support emotional support and um, you know, um, and those are important because, you know, for people who are detained, they're kind of isolated, they have limited access to the outer world, and um, they feel depressed a lot of the times. And those supports can help them go through the process, the, the whole removal proceeding process. Um, so, yeah, and then, you know, um, we, we talked about um, bombed hearings and removal hearings. And one essential part in both of those different proceedings is um, some letter of support from community members to show, for example, this person has, um, you know, if, if someone knows um, a detainee for 10 years and can attest to um, his, his past activities within the communities that will be helpful to the case, Those letters would be important for the case. So if someone reaches, a family member reaches out to the community, um, be very, being very helpful and provide those support is also something that um, everyone can do.
3: Yeah. So on on the national level too, uh, we have a we have a partner project called Stands with Immigrants. And people, if they want to look for volunteer opportunities that match their own professional set, that's a good site to go to. I think it's important to, for people just to understand that you don't have to be an immigration expert. You don't have to understand the the complicated sets of laws that affect immigrants to really help and advocate for others. And um, just uh, you can use your own skill set. A lot of the times there is a need for understanding of serving immigrant communities in the industries people work in, uh, such as healthcare, um educators and teachers, uh, social workers, um, even people in, in um jobs that they wouldn't expect that they can can always have a role and they can always always help people and empower others. Um, So, Stands with Immigrants is a site to check out for other kind of campaigns and actions that may involve people in the work they're already doing.
1: Yeah, and one thing that I just thought thought about is, you know, um, reach out to local organizations. Like, uh, you can check them with immigrants or some organizations that were constantly looking for help and people can help out with ways that they, they didn't know they could have. For example, we have a constant need for interpreters for our cases. And, you know, if you have language skills, there are always attorneys, pro bono attorneys out there looking for uh, volunteer interpreters for the case. And you could do court visits, um, you know, and a lot of other activities that, like Sebastian said, doesn't require any um, immigration-like expertise but are very helpful for, for our immigrant friends.
0: Yeah, that's great. Thank you. Um, so what should people be aware of in the event that a friend or family member is detained or deported or is otherwise subjected to some sort of enforcement activity?
2: Well, I think one of the – first thing to do is sort of understand the process. Um, oftentimes, you know, it sort of depends, is the person detained by local law enforcement and then might be turned over to immigration custody, or is, are they apprehended directly by um, immigration custom enforcement? Sometimes if someone's picked up by local law enforcement, they might be eligible to, to post a bail in the criminal context, but if immigration is placed a hold on them, then that money might be lost um, if immigration just comes and picks them up as soon as they're released um, from criminal custody. So those things are important to keep in mind if someone is undocumented. And depending on your jurisdiction too, if different localities are operating in different ways in this regard. If if you are certain that the person is in immigration to, immigration custody, then You can use the online ICE DTNA locator to try to find where, which facility they are being held at. Um, You need either their A A number and their birthday or the birthday and their uh, country of origin along with their full name in order to find out um, where, where the individual is is being held. Um, That would be the first step to find out where they are and then from there try to find out if you want to visit your loved one, find out where the facility is located, what their visitation policies are, and if you're able to go see them, what are the policies to try to put money on their account so they can make calls to you or buy other necessities they, that they might have while they're, while they're in detention. Um, and then the next, um, the next place to look for information is the, the EOIR, the Executive Office for Immigration Review Hotline which is 1-800-898-7180, and that's a phone number you can call to find out when the person might have an upcoming hearing date. Um, That is – you would need the information for their A number, which is their immigration file, in order to enter that into the system to find out the upcoming hearing date. it should be noted, though, that the upcoming hearing date would be a master calendar hearing. If the person's eligible for a bond hearing, that might take place before the hearing that's on the hotline. So, um, and unfortunately, sometimes even the detainees aren't aware when those hearings are happening. So it can be a little tricky to find out um, just how things are moving along, but hopefully, particularly if you If you would plan on being at the the hearing and think there's information that would be helpful to your loved one in the bond proceeding, um, perhaps they could get additional time from the immigration judge, or if you uh, provide that information to them, they can can provide it to the court. Um, Anyone who is placed in removal proceedings is given a list of free legal service providers, or if there aren't organizations in the jurisdiction where the court is, they might be private attorneys that offer additional pro bono services. There's also the online directory with the um, Immigration Advocates Network that you can just plug in your zip code and find agencies that are close to where you are. And so you'd just be looking for agencies that offer removal um, defense services as part of their legal services package. Um, So those are some of the tools to try to get your, um, your loved one in contact with representation and also trying to get in touch with them in order to help support them through the the steps in the the process.
0: Um, So you all kind of covered this a little bit, um, but just to expand, uh, what are some other ways that community members who don't necessarily have experience in immigration law, but just want to get involved, want to help people, help their friends, or just who are watching the news and are concerned? How can people provide support to people in immigration detention or who are in deportation proceedings? Um,
1: I can expand a little bit on some of the um, observer observation opportunities out there. Depending on the jurisdiction, some jurisdictions now have um, the so called observer project where um, community members, you know, anyone um, can go to court and observe. Immigration proceedings. Um, this is not a very direct way of helping out, but it, um, you know, provides some trans- transparency, some accountability to the court system um, for the court to know that, you know, people, the public, is watching the court proceedings. Um, and so, if folks are interested, and this this helps. This has helped a lot of our volunteers to really um, learn what immigration proceedings are like, and it opened a lot of people's eyes because they never imagined what it, what it is like um, when a person is detained and goes through a removal proceeding. And there can be short-term,
2: one-time things. We've had um, groups that just You know, maybe there isn't a formal letter-writing campaign that exists, but there might be an organization that does legal orientation programs, and there's a group that just wants to write generic letters of support to be distributed to detainees that are being held at some certain facility. So, you know, reaching out to local organizations that might um, have other ways to reach reach detainees. I think a lot of the legal service providers are – Overwhelmed with the volume of, of people who need direct legal assistance. Um, so, you know, to the extent that individuals are able to think creatively and organize themselves in order to uh, find ways to support uh, individuals or set up their own programs, like the visitation program. You know, sometimes it it takes a lot um, to move those things and get them going. But in the meantime, you can. Find different connections, and I think just not underestimating the power of uh, our our local and state government agencies to really look out for their community members. And there's, um, you know, a lot that can be done to promote um, policies that are welcoming of immigrants or specific funding. You know, there's different states and local government entities that have. Made it uh, a point to provide funding so that individuals in detention do have access to representation. And so those broader, broader works of political advocacy um, can really go a long way to provide additional access to to individuals who are facing removal proceedings.
0: Um, So before we wrap up, um, is there any final comments or anything else anyone would like to add um, to our audience regarding options or um, preparations for friends and loved ones um, who may be detained or deported or
1: anybody who's concerned? Yeah. Um, one thing that i like to bring up is understanding that the immigration bond is usually much higher than criminal bond. Um, the minimum bond amount is 1500 per statute. And from what we're seeing, it, the amount usually ranges from you know, 3,000 to 7,500, um, and that's not a smaller amount. So, um, you know, thinking about um, whether to use the money on finding representation, and then runs out of funds to pay for the bond, or, um, or, you know, hire a private attorney, getting a better chance at lowering the bond potentially. And then be able to pay the bond and get out of detention, or have an attorney for the full representation while detained. Um, it, it's a hard, it's a hard choice. Um, but just knowing that the bond amount is high and it's getting increasingly hard to get a bond for um, folks with some criminal records and yeah, and that the you know the uh, the detained removal proceeding moved really fast. Um, but the the uh, the downside of it being that the person will have to stay in a detention facility during that whole process. I think the other thing to note about bonds
2: as well as distinct from the criminal bail context, there are very few, if any, um, companies that will support paying part of the bond. So it usually is really going to be up to the to the family to organize amongst themselves or in the community to try to post the bond um, in order to have someone released from immigration custody. And the person that posts it needs to be someone who has a valid social security number. So you need to find someone who can be the obligor on the on the bond, and it's returned after the proceedings complete. Um, which could be a few months, it could be years afterwards, and would be completion either if the person's removed and they are actually returned to the country, or if they are granted the case, they're able to, to
1: follow up with the paperwork to get
2: the money returned at
1: that time. Yeah, and um, this could also be an area where, you know, community support really come into play with the bound amount uh, knowing that it, it will be a huge burden on the family to come up with such a big amount, it basically you have to pay everything at at, at, at yeah at the same time. And.
0: So thank you all so much for your insight, um, and I hope to talk with you all again soon. Great, thank you. Thank you.